0: Alright, we don't look at God's grace in our suffering today. Um, and, and again, no rocket science. Suffering is inevitable. Uh, it's not going to go away. It's going to continue to exist. But allow me to read a quote from David Paulson. Uh, he has uh, written several books on counseling that have been very, very helpful over the ministry. And he has struggled with some suffering himself. And he wrote these words. How does God's grace engage your sufferings? We may know the right answer, and yet we do not know it. It is a hard answer, but we make it sound like a pat answer. God sets about a long, slow answering, but we try to make it a quick fix. His answer insists on being lived out over time and into the particulars. We act as if just saying the right words makes it so. God's answers insist on changing you into a different kind of a person. But we activists, some truth, principle, strategy, or perspective might simply be incorporated into who we already are. God personalizes his answer on our hearts with an uncanny flexibility. We turn it into a formula. If you just believe, if you just do, if you just remember, no important truth ever contains the word just in the punchline. There's a man who's been through it, knows. He does a lot of counseling, deals with people who are going through it. So how does God's grace meet us in our sufferings? We want to address that today. How can we make the right answer sound like old hat? but i discovered this god will surprise us although over the years i'm surprised by very little anymore because god just is full of surprises but he will bring he will he will make us stop we will struggle he'll bring us up short we will hurt he will take time. We will grow in faith and in love and we will. he will deli- deeply delight in us. That's the part we miss. We will find the process harder than we ever imagined and yet better. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. No matter how many times we've heard it, No matter how long we know it, no matter how well we can say it, God's answer will come to mean something better than we ever imagined. Because there is indeed significant suffering. If you've not suffered severely, just a matter of time you will, but we've all suffered to some degree. So how does God's grace enter my sufferings. Well, James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. We know God's a God of variety. Look how many different animals are out there, how many different trees, how many different flowers. <laughs> But that's not where his variety settles. It also settles in our trials and our sufferings. We can all be going through the same. In fact, look at what's going on there in New York with all the tragedies going on. And I, I, it's bad enough these people are suffering, but you know what I find more disturbing than that? I listen to the people whine and cry and complain because the government has not fixed their problem overnight. Where's God? No one's looking to God. The government should have been here yesterday and had a new house built on my foundation overnight. They can't seem to understand that the problems cannot be fixed overnight, but And they had someone on Fox News, she finally got her posters out there and they all grumbled and complained and the government came in because they were the squeaky wheel. But they went to the government. Why did God bring these sufferings on? I gotta believe there's somebody out there that's turning to God. But we're not turning to God. In fact, all this week, trying to analyze, how did President Obama get voted in again? when things are so bad, how did this happen? You know why it happened? All their analysis for everything. We as an American people have moved so far from the God of this book that we have no biblical principles in which to make our decisions. So whatever feels good, whatever looks good, whatever the government can provide me, that's where I'm gonna vote. That's sad folks, that's scary and guess what? It's gonna bring on more suffering because the farther we get away from god the more suffering going to we're going to get not no profit but i believe the next four years is going to be ugly for america i really do because we're moving farther away from god and there's proof of it right there by the president we have there's going to be suffering there's many kinds of significant suffering the same trial can have different levels of significance depending on where we are in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Some afflictions are life altering. We'll never be the same because of it. Nobody suffers in general. We all suffer in our own particular way. Such as the folks in Staten Island and all that. They're all suffering the same general thing, but everybody else is handling it in a different manner. God comes out of the crucible. Our good learning comes out of the crucible of suffering. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter five, verse eight. We looked at this a little bit last week or a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I think we looked at it when we were studying on Christ. And our Bible study on Sunday night. Let me encourage you to come out. I don't say much about it, but we encourage you to come out on Sunday night. We're studying the doctrines of the Bible right now. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, it doesn't mean he was disobedient and, and became obedient, but because of obedience, there was suffering. Sometimes our obe- sometimes our suffering comes because we have to take a stand for Jesus Christ. We should never be ashamed of that. Have you ever been... In fact, I think it was Pat that was telling me this morning, and he's one of your disciples, you might say, he and Mary have been passing out tracks, and he found this woman in a parking lot and handed her a track, and she got mad at him. Slammed the car door. Why would somebody give me a track and tell me about God? Isn't that the kind of thing that gets us back off and say, I don't want to do this anymore? And yet, that's the kind of suffering we need to be able to endure because I want you to know my Savior. Amen. I guess it'd be kind of like you men walking in the church and leaving. you have your wife, you walk 10 paces behind me because I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> we wouldn't do that. But don't we do something similar as Christians when we don't talk about the one who's more important than our wife or our husband? We need to be bold about sharing the most important person on the face of the earth. So there's going to be some suffering. But when we do that, faith develops an uncommon trust in God. Our faith gets tested, and it's supposed to be. In fact, I believe our faith can only go as deep as our deepest trouble, our deepest suffering. Because now we've got to really get close to God, and, and I kind of picture it this way, that when I'm in my deepest, darkest trouble and suffering, I'm going to be like one of my grandchildren who gets hurt and they crawl up in your arm and they, they want to be hugged. I want to be that little grandchild to crawl up into God's lap and say, God, hold me tight because I'm scared. But I want to be close to you instead of like some people, they run off in the corner and hide. I don't need God. I can do this on my own. And then they wonder why they have mental, emotional, and physical problems. Love develops and shines. Our love for God will deepen as we find Him there. Courage builds in the darkness. I tell you, when you're in difficult times, especially when you're being attacked because of some truth that you're standing on, uh, and, and, and no doubt sometimes in your past you've been persecuted because of your faith, maybe family. Have you ever had family persecute you because of your faith in Christ? or friends, fellow employees. But when your truth is based on the solid foundation of the Word of God and they want to persecute me, they want to ridicule me, I say, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> I'm not worried about my image. And i got to admit, that's the number one reason that will keep me from witnessing somebody because I'm worried about somebody who's going to think about me. Jeremiah had that same thing. And the Lord told them, don't be afraid of their faces. I've got a message that you need to give to Israel, and you give it. When it's my face that I'm worried about, my image that I'm worried about, that's nothing but pride. Now under B, there's one, two, three, faith, love, courage. I want you to add a fourth one there in the notes side somewhere. Focus. Focus becomes more intent and Precise. I think sometimes we as Christians live a general Christianity, we're just kinda going by the seat of our pants. No precise application of the truth to the details of our lives. And God allows suffering to come on to get, I mean when when you go to a doctor, you say, Doc, I got this pain. Well, there's probably about 20 different ways he can handle that pain. So where is that pain? What kind of pain is it? What are you doing that's giving him that pain? And then he can diagnose a very precise application to resolve that pain. Do you realize spiritually it's the same way? There are spiritual truths that we need to narrow down to apply to the specific suffering that we're going through. Instead of taking one pill, solves everything. Now that gets us into the Word of God. And when we get into the Word of God, who are we finding there? We're finding Jesus Christ. We're developing more of an intimate relationship with Him than we've ever had before. And what's the number one reason God put us on this planet? Almighty God of creation wants to have an intimate relationship with me and with you. I hope that's one of the reasons you're here this morning because you want to get the word of God. I hope you're not thinking that there's some magic in that chair you're sitting in because you're within the walls of this building and you're going to walk out of here feeling good all week because I gave God an hour of my time. Because there's people that are doing that today. I've filled my pew. God smile on me. Give me your grace this week because all is well with the world. And then when they have some suffering, you're like, God, where did you go? And they get disappointed. How many times have you talked to someone that had problems and said, well, I tried religion once. You ever hear that story? We didn't try the God of my religion. Because what they want was they wanted a quick fix. Read a verse, get on my knees and pray for five minutes, and the problem goes away. It doesn't work like that, and God doesn't intend for it to ever work like that. The suffering is there for a reason, so it, it helps develop our focus on the details of what's going on and the details of my personal relationship with Him. We want to think everything's okay, but God says, no, there's some fine tuning that I need to do in your life to increase the relationship that we can have. Well, in our suffering, the evils of our own hearts are revealed. We've mentioned this before, but we are mention it again because we need constant reminder with it. Romans 12, verse 7, 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. Simply saying, when I'm under pressure, what do I want to do? I want to get even. I want revenge. I want you to hurt like I'm hurting. You know what, folks? We don't have the authority to do that. Only God has that authority. And when we get hurt, we just got to leave it in his hands. Because who's going to do a better job of revenge? God or me? Now we might think, well, that make, it make me feel pretty good for a while. Uh, probably if you've been there and done that, when you got done, you probably didn't feel a whole lot better. <laughs> Especially if you're a Christian and trying to live for God, you knew like you did something wrong. <laughs> I didn't obey God's word. In reality, when we're getting revenge, all we're doing is putting ourselves in their shoes and lowering us ourselves down to their level, and there will not be any satisfaction. Well, through our trials, we grow in our relationship with God. We can learn to rely on God. Psalm 119, verse 67. Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. Before affliction. In fact, I believe that's one reason why America is drifting. We have had it so good. We have been spoiled rotten. We don't need God. And now God's going to take our toys away. God's going to take our securities away. What's God trying to do? The same thing He did with Israel. He's trying to drive us to our knees in humility. And it's going to take suffering to do it. Now, He could do it all at once, but in a sense, I guess you might say He's kind of easing us into. Because how long is... In fact, like Abby said last night, how did I get here? How did I get to the point of where I was participating in abortions for eight years when I was raised in a Christian home and I knew better? Like Glenn said, it's just a little bit at a time. In fact, how uh, many of you ever watched the movie uh, Fireproof? There's a song that, uh, that this song on there, um, Sin is like a slow fade. It's true. It's the old frog in a boiling pot of water trick that Satan does to us. You can put a frog in in hot water and just slowly turn the heat up and he'll never get concerned and he'll never get worried about the water because he's cold blooded. He'll stay right in until he boils to death and won't even know it. Satan's been doing the same thing for us as a nation and as individuals. He's slowly turning the heat up. Can you imagine what our great grandparents how they would respond if they just watch our commercials on our television alone? They'd say they're pornographic, and they're right. But you and I watch it every day and we don't think, think about it. We become desensitized to sin. Big danger, but these things push us to rely on God. Trials are the only way to build patience Back to James that we looked at, chapter 1. And I'm sure some of us have made the mistake of saying, Lord, give me patience. Right? <laughs> I know you did. I can tell by your faces. And what did you get? Suffering. Trials. That's the only way it comes. Verse 3 knowing that the test on your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing if he lacks wisdom let him ask of God he'll give you all liberally and without reproach and it'll be given to him how many have ever claimed that verse when they've been in a difficult time I have many a time God you guaranteed me wisdom and I need it and I'm coming to your word because that's the only place I can find it the book of Proverbs says that We better dig into the Word of God and find the answers. But it also builds character in other places we find in Scripture. It will change us from the inside out. Suffering is a necessary part of our relationship building with Christ. God's grace is necessary for this development. What is grace? It's a divine ability to do something we can't do on our own. Prior to getting saved, you may try to break a bad habit, a sinful habit. I know Pat shared with me that they were, before he got saved, he used to have an alcohol problem. Couldn't break it, but he didn't have any problem after he got saved. Still might have been a challenge, but, well, he wouldn't be a deacon if he was still drinking, but. (laughs) But you understand what I'm talking about. God changes from the inside out, and it's because of a divine grace, a divine ability to do something. We cannot do it on our own. We need our need in suffering. We need to hear God talking. We must go to the Word. How many of us see this book as our owner's manual? The other day I changed the oil in my car and had to remember how many quarts I could put in it and all that kind of stuff. But in that book, it's almost as big as this. And it tells me every detail about that car. Why is that there? Because the manufacturer wants me to enjoy that vehicle to the maximum of its ability. Now, have you ever bought a car and didn't bother reading the book and tried to figure out how to change the radio station and, and, and get the light, In fact we, we we still got, the, the thing is telling us, change the oil. Now we can't get that stupid thing to come off. So we gotta read the book to find out. Here's our owner's manual guaranteed that if we love God and we obey this book life is going to go a whole lot smoother now we're still going to have suffering but one suffering that we're going to eliminate is the consequences of my own stupid sin I don't know about you that makes sense let's do it God's way because it works why reinvent the wheel God is perfect he knows what works let's do it that way Everybody else might be suffering around us, but I don't need to because I'm obeying the Word of God. So we must search the Word, learn how we should respond to the suffering. What would Jesus do? Could Jesus have gone through the crucifixion and all that was involved without suffering? No, he couldn't have. He had to suffer through all that, and it didn't stop him from going. We know he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he asked, Father, could this cup pass from me, not my will, but yours be done? While he's sweating drops of blood. He knew how intense it was gonna be. He was experiencing it then. And so in some respects, we don't wanna say, God, remove my suffering. We wanna say, Lord, help me to endure the suffering to become more like you. We need to know that there is a purpose endorsed by God for our suffering. His sovereignty ordains our suffering. When we do not see a purpose, we're left to react blindly. Exodus chapter 6. And I'm sure you've been here before because I know I have. Something comes on, especially if it really hits us all at once. Bang, here's this problem. There's this suffering going on. Exodus chapter 9, or 6 verse 9 says, So Moses spoke this to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses. Because of what? Anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. What did they see? They saw the problem. But they didn't see God in the problem. How many are guilty of that? We see the problem. We don't want the hurt. We don't want the pain. We don't want the suffering. But we're not looking for God in it. Israel was forced by God to see God in it. But we need to see that there is a purpose. And we don't want the trials to deafen our ears to what God is doing. Because when we do that, It seems like God is silent. Ever been there? God, you're not there. Have you ever prayed and it seems like your prayers never get out of the room? Unless there's some sin involved, God always hears our prayers. Psalm 66, 18 says, if you're harboring sin in your heart, he's not going to hear you. Which means if you know you got sin, and you're not willing to confess it, and you're not willing to repent of it, you might as well not pray. Because the only thing he was wanting to hear is, Lord, I repent, and I confess you this sin. And now you got an open channel. But if we don't focus, if we don't focus on God, then we're going to start grasping at straws. And find some sense in the trials. That's where America's at. They don't see God in the trials. Now all they see is the problem. We have trouble identifying what is exactly is the problem. Sometimes we get so intense and in emotions, get so jumbled up. And we got so many emotions sometimes that can be flowing through us. It's kind of like jumping under the water and then open your eyes, you can see, but it's all real blurry. You ever been there? You're going through a problem, and a trial, and a test, and you really can't sort it out. That's when we really need to go to God and say, God, sort out my emotions. Because the emotions, where do the emotions come from? They come from God. Why are they there? Well, I look at my emotions like the, the warning light on the dashboard. Well, ours it says, change oil. Now, if I, I could ignore that, what's well, going to eventually happen to my car? It, it's going to suffer the consequences. Of, or I can get under the hood and change the oil. My emotion is telling me what's going on inside and revealing my heart. And God says, Examine that. I'm giving you a way to examine your heart and see what's going on, and you need to come to me and let me change the heart. So there's negative emotions and there's positive emotions, but they reveal what's going on in here. And what's in here is the real me. And God wants to change that real me, He wants to be more like Christ. That's the purpose of the suffering. Then we get caught up in the whirlwind of these emotions and we just lose sight of God. But God is always at work. Now on your notes, you've got Exodus 15, but we're not going to turn there. But I want to remind you in, in Exodus 6, the people are crying out to God, we're under bondage. The, the Egyptians of God is under bondage. Life is terrible, God help us out and God came in and then in, in chapter 15 of Exodus they're singing a song of redemption. They listened to God. God had to do some major things. What He did for Egypt wasn't just for Egypt was it? Israel didn't really know their God. They just knew there was a God out there that would deliver them, but they didn't know Him. And so they took Him on the backside of a wilderness for 40 years to really get to know Him. But God works You might want to circle this in your notes because we don't want to read this, but it's there. God works slowly and patiently. Don't expect our suffering to be corrected overnight. The trouble will not go away instantly. New ones will just develop if we try to resolve it too quickly. We need to obey the truth, even if we don't feel like it or completely understand it. When God's Word says something, in fact, when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I want you to start taking this pill to correct this problem. Do you understand how that pill is going to work on your body? Do you understand exactly what it's going to do in your system that's going to correct the problem? No, but you take it anyways, don't you? Why? Because you trust the doctor that he knows what he's doing. Why can't we do the same thing with God? It's very clear in the Word of God what to do. We don't have to understand. How many of you understand electricity? But you still use it, don't you? I don't have to understand how it works. All I know is don't get between the block and the weight with your fingers and you'll be all right. God does not lie. He will always be there. Psalm 23. In the valley of the shadow of death. He is going to be there. This trial is His divine appointment. I suggest you circle that word divine. It's hard for us to understand how something can be so severe and so troubling can be sent by God but we must strive to change and to respond as Christ would. 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, Lord, the Lord knows those who are His and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We grow to see the suffering differently when we see it from God's perspective. We allow him to change us to be more like Christ. And in a sense, we're sharing his suffering. And when we do, we're on solid ground. I hope that we're beginning to develop a new perspective on suffering. Again, we don't have to pray, God, give me suffering today. He's got it all planned out. But when it comes... Lord, help me not to panic. Help me not to lose sight of who you are. We need it. So how will God help us? Well, he'll talk with us. Not literally. But we'll get a sense of what God wants us to do. And that sense comes because we need to be spending more time in the Word of God. In fact, when we do biblical counseling here, I don't hand somebody a book from Freud or some psychologist, we take them to the Word of God. Here's the truth and here's how you apply it. And we give practical applications throughout the week to apply that truth because the Bible says we need to put off this sinful behavior and begin this new behavior. Put off, put on. Now that's where there's a sin issue. But as we go down through here, we'll see that some things can't be changed. God walks and talks with us if we will choose to walk with Him. And we have plenty of examples in the Bible, don't we? We're all familiar with Job. Did Job do anything to have Satan attack him the way he did? We know he didn't. Then Joseph. Boy, you talk about rejection. Rejection. Eleven brothers sold him into slavery. Paul, we have a long list of the things that he endured and suffered. It was totally unfair for these three guys to go through what they did. And we saw last week that Paul even said he despaired of life. That means we're going to get, in fact, when we're down in those doldrums and we're suffering, heaven's going to look a whole lot better. And that's a hope for us. This isn't going to last forever. Isn't that great? This is going to come to an end. Can't come soon enough. But Lord, help me to be faithful. Then Peter and John. What about Christ himself? He came to earth knowing he was going to suffer. And why did he suffer? It was not all about him. because why do we whine and crump, why do I complain about my suffering? Because it's all about me. Christ suffered, but it wasn't about him. His suffering was all about me. His suffering was all about you. And that's the way we need to see our suffering. Our suffering is here to help somebody else. Sufferings can do, can double our pain. Wide variety of sufferings. The list goes on, but with sickness, poverty, betrayal, bereavement, divorce, a wayward child. How long can that list be? In this room, probably everybody's got their own particular suffering. But our friends mean well. But back to Job. His friends, they were nice for a week, and then they cut out on him. Man, they just, and his wife even, honey, curse God and die. Because remember, she was hurting too. What about Christ? (laughs) They argued over who was going to sit on the right hand in heaven with him. Focus was wrong. Then in a most crucial hour, he says, I want you to come to the garden and pray with me. What did they do? They fell asleep. And then, in his most trying hour, when he was being beaten with a cat of nine tails and having a crown of thorns beat onto his head and his face being beaten and the beard pulled off his face, they abandoned him. And Peter said, Lord, I'll never abandon you. but His the Lord tell him? Before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. Have we abandoned the Lord sometimes? Back to what Glenn was challenging us. I believe if we've got friends that we've never ever shared the plan of salvation with, in a sense, we've abandoned Christ. We need to go to our friends and say, please forgive me for being a lousy friend. Let me ask you, do you know where you're going to go when you die? And if you're any kind of a friend with them, you know. So you did not even ask the question. Would you allow me to share with you how you can know for sure when you die you're going to heaven? I would love that opportunity. I've done that. I did that with 15 men. Not one of them said, no, I don't want to hear it. Now to my knowledge, none of those men ever come to know Christ. But when they go to heaven, they're not going to say, Stitzel never told me. God's word says, their blood is off my hands. And it's not my responsibility to badger them into it either. My responsibility is simply to deliver the message and live the message where they can see Christ. Glenn, I think, shared with us, a friend that's been following him on Facebook through the cancer thing. He said, Glenn, I don't know what you and God got, but I want some of that. That's where the talk matches the walk. You can't just do it with the walk, you gotta do both. And God will sometimes put us in a suffering situation. In fact, I remember once, I I don't remember, I had a fluky heartbeat for once. It was nothing really serious they found out, but it was a PVC. I I spent the night in the hospital while they were checking it out. I was there 10 minutes and the nurse came in and somehow the conversation got around talking about Christ. She said, I've been looking for a church, but I can't seem to find one. I said, where are you from? Well, I live in Hornell. I said, oh, really? I just preached there last week in a church last week. And there's a real good church there. And before she got off that shift night, I don't know how we did it, but we got the address of that church, and I gave it to her. Now, I don't know where, maybe that was the only reason God did that, because she needed that information. I have no idea. But I I say, oh, woe is me, my heart's not working right, and woe is me, feel sorry for me. Where does that get us? Glenn's not done that with his cancer thing. <laughs> He's used it as an opportunity to share Christ. So use our suffering to point people to Christ. That's what it's all about. God will put us in positions to address Christ in places that we'll never have the opportunity otherwise. Look at Paul thrown in jail. He didn't panic, he sang songs. As a result, led the flipping jailer and his family to Christ. Don't focus on the problem. Some things cannot be changed or fixed. There's some sicknesses that will never change. Look at Johnny Erickson Tata. Her neck's broke, will be till she gets the glory. Can't be fixed. She felt sorry for herself for a while, but she finally embraced God sent this suffering for a reason. Now we're not all gonna be Johnny Tata, but look what she's done with her incapacity. She's had a ministry across the globe. Ours may not be anything more than just local, but if that's all God wants, we better embrace it and use that suffering by God's grace to get it done. We need to understand that the real problem is the spiritual challenge to meet suffering in a godly manner. Sometimes individuals would come in to, in fact, just had one here recently. A man came in because their marriage was falling apart. And I had to ask him this because the wife didn't come. I said, what if she never makes the effort to reconcile your marriage? What are you going to do? The goal was, you still have to be a godly individual in that situation. And you will need to learn how to do that. And you can do that. The problem may not go away, but we still have to respond. So some questions we need to ask ourselves. How are you doing in the midst of what you're going through? When we're trying to help people... And we all do this, and I try not to do it anymore, but, you know, you go to the hospital and, and you do these little cliche sayings, you know. Well, God's in us, and it, 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 that just doesn't help, does it? But we can ask, how are you doing spiritually in handling this matter? What can I do to help? Definitely prayer. But what can I do to help you? What are you learning many of us ask that question we're going through suffering what am I learning in my relationship to Christ what am I learning that's making me more like him this is a hard question we don't want to face it but where am I failing what do you need for encouragement are you willing to live well and wisely with your pain, with your suffering, with your limitations, with your weaknesses, with your loss? Will this suffering define you? And I bring Johnny Erickson Todd up again, and there's many other individuals that have been the same way. Will faith and love for God grow or will you shrivel up? Folks, the only way we can do this is to fall on our knees before God in humility. Because where does humility, what what comes out of humility? Grace. My pride says, God, I can handle this on, on, on my own. Or my pride says, God, I don't like what you're doing, God. Have we ever shook our fist at God. We may not literally do that, but I guarantee you by our attitude we do that. And you know what? You might as well just be raw with God and so God, I don't like what you're doing, God. Get me out of this mess. Because he knows anyways. You're not hiding anything. You might as well be honest with him and honest with you and just be raw with him. God, I don't like what you're doing to me. Because when you get to that point, now you can humble yourself before Him. And now you can endure the suffering the way it's meant to be. And now we can draw on His grace. Because without humility, we can't draw on grace. The more humble we get, the more grace we get. The more we draw on it, it's always there. So it's no matter what I feel like, it's not matter what I want. And God won't force himself. Oh, he'll try to nudge us, but he won't force. We as fellow saints in Christ can be used to help administer God's grace to the suffering. Maybe we're not in the middle of it, but maybe as an outsider, we need to be stepping in and helping out. No one enjoys suffering. Christ didn't enjoy it. But he did find joy in it. That blows my mind. Hebrews 12.2 says he found joy in going to the cross for me. That joy, I believe, simply means this. God, you've got me in a situation where I'm suffering. And I want to find contentment that what I'm doing and how I'm responding to it, I'm doing it exactly the way you want me to. Because that's what Christ did, isn't it? It wasn't easy, but he did it. All because of his love for the Father. When we go through suffering, we need to go through it because of our love for him. And that will bring a sense of satisfaction. So, no one enjoys the suffering. The suffering is not meant to be pleasant. Suffering is by God's divine plan. If we go to the Word, he'll talk us through it. Through the Word, we'll learn to draw on his grace we then can be an instrument of grace to those who are suffering. We don't focus on the problem. We focus on how we're handling the problem through Christ. And then we, in turn, be closer to Him and be used of Him to assist others that will follow us. Because my observation is most of the time when you've gone through something, you're going to cross somebody's path somewhere that's gone through the same thing and you can sit down and say, I've been there. I can empathize with you. Let me share with you how I dealt with that suffering in a way that pleased Christ. That's the purpose of the church. Again, for our own folks, how many folks have suffered the cancer thing in the last, just since I've been here? The ones that were four, eight, ten, for our guests, we've had, what, ten or twelve individuals in the last three four years that have been battling cancer in some form or another. Now, some won it and went home. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And one of them came to know the Lord because of the cancer. Praise the Lord. But we can identify. And we don't have to panic. And I have not seen any of our folks ever panic because of the cancer, but accepted it as, God, this is your plan, whatever you want done is okay with me, Man, and when I got diagnosed with mine, my wife got concerned, as, as anybody would, family member, but I said, this is a win-win situation. What do you mean? They cure me and I'm okay, or I'm dead and they go home. How can I lose? <laughs> now, the process may not be fun, as we know what goes through, and but, He will be glorified when we see him in the problem. And that makes the suffering a whole lot easier. And that's what God wants us to do. Because there's a lost world out there watching us. And God puts us in those situations where we can reflect Christ. Father, thank you for the word. We need to draw upon your grace to get through the suffering. The world is full of it. Always will be. Because the suffering is to bring us as unsaved individuals to you and as your children draw us closer to you. Help us, Father, to change our perspective on suffering and to look for you in that, that we might glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.